Well, good morning. Good to see everyone. I'm Pastor Alan. Uh, it's one of my favorite Sundays of the year. Every spring, uh, we do I Love My Church. Actually, one, one spring, we did two Sundays. We're just going to do it for one. And uh, kind of titled this, uh, this message is Teaching as It's Family. All right, I want to start out with a question. <clears throat> How many of you have a bucket list? You know what that is? That's places you want to go, things you want to do. Not many hands. Come on, put your hands up. All right. Okay, well, we have a bucket list, my wife and I, and one of the things on our bucket list near the top, not that we knew we were going to do it anytime soon, was to go to the Holy Lands. Well, we have paid for a trip to the Holy Lands, and next April, you won't see us for a couple of weeks, we'll be actually walking where Jesus walked. So that's on our, our uh, uh, bucket list, and we're, we're excited about that, and we know it's going to be a great experience. As some of you know, a year and a half ago, we went to on a, a river cruise in southern France, and that was just awesome. I just loved it, and someday maybe we can get to do that again. So, <clears throat> those are want to. We all got places we want to go. You might want to take your kids to Disney. We took ours one time, uh, our grandkids maybe. Uh, you might want to go to Hawaii. I don't know what's on your list. All right. There are places you don't have to go, right? Uh, we don't have to go to the Holy Land, but we want to, and hopefully we'll get to go. So I'm going to put some things on the screen, and I want you to give me some feedback. And these are places we have to go, and I want to know what kind of feelings you associate with these places, okay? Raise your hand so I can call on you so people online can, can hear your responses. So here's the first one. Here's the place we have to go. All right, so what kind of feelings does that bring up when you have to go to the NVA? Somebody raise their hands so I can call on them. Impatient? Impatient? Not again. <laughs> Someone else, come on. Long line. Long line. It's called something else in Pennsylvania, though, isn't it? Yeah, this is Maryland one, anyway. Over here somewhere? <laughs> You're glad you live in Pennsylvania. <laughs> it's different there. Okay. Now, this is, this is kind of weird. I understand that, but uh, she doesn't work there now. But we used to know, personally know, the head of the NBA in, in Hagerstown. And so for me, it was kind of awesome because I would go and I would knock on her door and she would come out and she would walk around with me. And when you walk around with the boss, guess what? You get treated like a king. So it was an awesome experience. I haven't been lately, but she doesn't, she retired, so I don't know what it's going to be like. But uh, uh, that's a have to, right? Let's do the next one. There's another have to. All right. What kind of feelings did that bring? Put your hand up. Pain. Pain. All right. That's probably pretty common. You like your dentist. Well, that's good. I like mine too. I don't like going, but I like my dentist. Okay. Someone else? Terrifying. Terrifying. All right. That's can be. Um, yeah, we got one of our grand, little grand, littlest grandchild or granddaughter. She's going to the dentist. She's going to a special dentist when you're, you kind of deal with little kids. All right, so that's again. A, now, if you've got a toothache, you want, you want to go. I mean, you, you're glad you go. But most of us, it's a have to. All right, this next one's pretty common. This is our local grocery store where we live. What kind of feelings does this bring? We've got all kinds in the first service responses to grocery stores. Did you bring a list? What? Did you bring a list? Did I bring a list? All right. Well, it's... You know, with the smartphone, you usually have one with you or kind of have one with you. Someone else. Which aisle is this in? Yeah, some of us, like me, they don't go very often. That's a, <laughs> a pretty good problem. 
All right. Someone else? Yes. How long will this take? How long will this take? That's kind of me, yeah. Let's get in, get in and out. My wife, not so much, but anyway. And of course, you know you don't go when you're hungry, right? You don't want to go when you're hungry. All right, so those are all have-tos. Um, it's interesting. I don't think anybody said they loved it. Somebody did say they liked their dentist, uh, but nobody said they loved any of those places. I'm hopefully, I'm going to love the Holy Land. So one more. I'm not going to ask you for a response. You can just think about this yourself. And when we show that picture, we don't mean the building, right? We have a nice building. I understand that. But when we show our church, we're talking about you folks, the people in here. The church is the people. Now, when we also look, people drive by here all the time, right? When I meet new people and I'll tell them where a pastor say, which, where's that church? And I'm amazed at people. I can tell it's next to Mace. Oh, Mace Autobody. I didn't know there was a church next to that. <laughs> people can drive by and not even see it. But it's certainly not a have to, right? And for anybody that has never come here, it's not a want to. They don't want to for whatever reason. So we're going to talk about the church. Uh, ours in particular, but church in general. And uh, if you're not a churchy person or a church person, this is a good Sunday to be here because you can kind of find out more today than you could find out in, in months of coming because I'm going to kind of try and explain it all uh, to everyone. So what did God intend? God started the church, right? Jesus did. So what did Jesus intend when he said, you know, the church is going to be built on, built on me. I'm, I'm the rock. I told this to Peter. So we're going to go through our vision and, and, and uh, statement first. So we don't put this up there just randomly. This is something we believe in as a church. And we've just tweaked it this past week. So if you've been here for a while, it's going to read a little bit different. But this is our vision. This is what we want to be. We want to be the church that the unchurched, that means the people out there, the people that drive by, don't come in, love to experience. Because nowadays you can experience it online, right? This is on Facebook Live. Or you can watch it later on Facebook. All right? So a lot of people may watch it first before they even walk inside of here. So <clears throat> we're going to explain to you why that's our vision as we go here, through here this morning. But here was the interesting thing I, I found out. When somebody comes to a, well, any place, but somebody comes to a church for the first time and then leaves, they're not going to remember what the preacher said. They're just not. I might, if I say a joke, they might remember the joke. But <laughs> otherwise, they're probably not going to remember. What they're going to remember is the experience, how they felt. And the way you can tell that is, what are, if they've got children in our children's ministry, what's the first question they ask the kids? Did they ask them, well, what was all the stuff you learned? What are they going to ask? Did you have fun? Did you have a good time? Was it a good experience for you? And if the kids have a good experience, <laughs> sometimes the parents, if they don't even have a great experience, they'll keep coming because the kids had a great experience. <clears throat> so, we want to be a church that most of us that come love it here. <laughs> but people that don't come will love it if they come here. So our mission statement then is following Jesus, changing together, and that's for us folks that are in here. Now, following Jesus means we are where Jesus takes us, where Jesus goes, we're going to go. Uh, another way of saying it, what would Jesus do, right? If I'm following Jesus, I'm going to do what he does. So what would Jesus do in this situation as far as a church? What would Jesus do? What kind of church are we going to be? Now, the changing together is really important because Christianity is not a solo act. It's a team sport, so to speak. <laughs> you're not supposed to try and do it on your own. It wasn't designed that way. You're not going to do it very well on your own. In fact, one of the 
best illustrations in the, in the Bible is, is, is a family. All right? uh, a family is not a want to, hopefully it's a want to, but it's a have to, right? <laughs> uh, you're born into a family, that's it. You, know, you, you don't have any choice about that. A team, on the other hand, I guess you can make a choice about. So here's my question. What should determine the reputation of the church? Should it be, you know, have a nice building? It should have a nice building. It should have nice grounds, nice grounds. Should it be that people uh, come with Bibles in their hands? Some of you come with Bibles, some of you don't. All, all of us almost have one on our phones, so a lot of us don't carry them anymore. Uh, what should determine the reputation of the church? Is it that people come here on a Sunday morning? Or maybe they come here some other time other than Sunday morning? So we're going to look at what Jesus said. And it's pretty remarkable. It's none of those things. Um, and this is not new to most of you. We've covered this in the past. So here's what Jesus said. So I'm now giving you a new commandment. What's the commandment mean? If you're a follower, you have to do it, right? It's like if you're in the army and the commander gives you a command. You, you don't say, ah, I'll think about it. Maybe I want to do it, maybe I don't. No, you, don't, you shouldn't even think about it. If the commander gives you an order, you do it. This is a command of Jesus. We have no options about this, right? We, we don't. We shouldn't want not to anyway. So here it is. Here's this new commandment. It really wasn't new. It's in the Old Testament. But Jesus, I guess, was reminding them or they forgot it. Love each other just as I have loved you. Now, how did Jesus love them? How did Jesus love us? Well, he loved us hugely, enormously, unconditionally, uh, non-judgmentally. He loved us just the way we are. I mean, it's just amazing. We could talk about it forever. That's the way Jesus loves us. Our command from him is that we love other people that way. Amazing, right? And he not only said you, you need to do this, he says your love for one another will be prove, the way you prove to the world that you're my disciples or followers. Okay? So it's not if we show up here on Sunday morning. It's not that we read our Bibles. We should do that. We should read our Bibles. It's not that... We, this is the proof. Jesus said, yes, you're my church. You're loving one another. Uh, you're not loving one another, you're not my church. This is the proof. This is the reputation. So that being true, and that's what Jesus said, what does that mean? What does that look like? I'm going to try and give you a, a simplest illustration I can. <clears throat> um, back in September, we were coming back from uh, our vacation. It was in the Outer Banks. And we came back on a Sunday. We don't usually do that. Or if we do, we go to church before we come back. But we're driving back. We actually watched the service here while we're driving in our car. That was pretty cool. And uh, anyways, mid-afternoon, and we're getting to Frederick, and we're getting hungry. And for those of you who don't know, but most of you do, we are, uh, my wife and I are plant-based. We, only eat, we don't eat any kind of animal products, all right? You can call us vegans or whatever. So she's Googling restaurants that, you know, vegans can go to. Because uh, if you think about it, a regular restaurant, there's not much you can eat. Salad and maybe potato without sour cream and <laughs> butter. <laughs> all right, that's some restaurants. That's, that's all the options my wife and I have to eat, okay? So we have to be a little more selective at restaurants than most of you folks have to do. So she was Googling. She came up with one. I'll show you a picture in Frederick that had vegan options. That's what they're called. <clears throat> And it's called the Silver Diner. I don't know how many of you have eaten there, but we've eaten there a bunch of times. But that was our first time. Not only do they have vegan options, they have more than one vegan option. Some restaurants will have one vegan option. 
All right, so there's like a half a dozen. My, one thing my wife loves, they have a vegan milkshake. Can you imagine? So we don't have to give up milkshakes. So we order that every time we go there. It's the, the milkshake. So we go there. Of course, first time at a restaurant, you know what it's going to be like. Is the service good? Is the food good? Well, the service was great. And uh, the food was great. All right? So Monday we went to visit the Queens. Uh, some of you know the Queens. Richard's in the hospital. He's supposed to have triple bypass surgery tomorrow. So pray for him. But we were there Monday. After we visited Monday afternoon, it's time to eat. And we're going out to eat. And so it's my turn to pick a restaurant. So which restaurant did I pick? The Silver Diner. And they had something new on the menu. And I, I ordered it. And it was great. It was, it was fantastic. So I love the Silver Diner. It's my favorite restaurant. You all have yours, I'm sure. Right? Okay. So we use the word love a lot of different ways, don't we? So let me show you a picture up here. You all can laugh. This picture is like 29 years old. <laughs> all right? And if you don't recognize those folks, that's me and my wife and four kids, all right? Um, it's probably about the time we started coming to this church, but anyway. <clears throat> I love my wife, and I love my four children, right? Now, when I say I love my family, it's a lot different than when I say I love the Silver Diner. For example, the Silver Diner, I love it because... I get good food and I get good service, right? And I can go to Yelp and put a, you know, a glowing review. If I went there and I got bad food or bad service, what would I do? I'd go to Yelp and give up a bad review and I wouldn't go back, right? Because I have options. It's a want to to go to a restaurant. I don't have to. Family's a whole different ballgame, right? Things don't always go like you want. The service isn't always good, the food's not always good at home, right? But it's family, and when it's family, those things don't even enter your mind. You love unconditionally. You love when things aren't going well. You get through the bad times. Of course, everybody likes the good times. So when we say, well, I love my church, it's not, unfortunately, some people say it's like restaurant. We'll talk about that in a minute, but it shouldn't be like that. It should be like family. Of course, it starts with Jesus Christ. Uh, we're all separated from God by sin. Jesus is going to use that word in our, our text here in a minute. So Jesus came to, to suffer and die, to pay the price for our sins so we could be con- reconnected with God. God loved us enough to provide the way to be reconnected with him, <clears throat> uh, to experience his love and respond to it. But once we respond to God's love for us, then we were to, are filled with that love is to motivate us to love other people. And that's what Jesus was talking about. My church is going to be a church that loves other people. So with that said, let me ask you another question. Why does the church exist? Why does it exist? And there's lots and lots of different answers. You know, it exists to worship God, serve God, whatever. But if we go back to what Jesus said, it ultimately means this, to me anyway, to make a difference in the world, if you want to add that, by relentlessly loving those or outside, outside the family, outside the church, outside. Ones that haven't experienced the love of Jesus, that haven't been reconnected with God. Now you say, I, I disagree with you, Pastor. Well, let me just tell you, we're going to read something Jesus said, and if you still want to disagree with me afterwards, that's fine, all right? So Jesus is in the beginning of his ministry, he's going to start out, he's picking disciples, now, if you were Jesus and you're picking disciples, who would be the most likely candidates? Who would you look for? You'd probably look for people that were godly people that 
knew their Bible really well, and uh, that would be the most likely candidates, wouldn't you think? That's what, that's what I would look for if I was getting, getting a, a, a group of um, followers to follow me. That's what I'd be looking for. All right? Now, here's Jesus. Of course, Jesus operates on a whole different way than we do. So he left one town. He saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at a tax collector's booth. Now, where did tax collectors fit in the social scale of Jesus' day? Where did they fit? Not pretty low, really low, very low. They were the lowest of the low. I mean, we can't even comprehend this today. They were traitors to their, to their brothers and sisters, their neighbors, their, their countrymen. They were traitors. How would, we, how would you think about a traitor? Uh, and they also were stealing money from you to make themselves rich. I, I, I don't know the old, I can't think, think of a comparison in our society. We could say a mass murderer. We could say a drug dealer. We could say a child molester. I don't know who would be at the bottom of our list, but you, you can put somebody in there. Those are something else. All right. So this is the guy that, that this part of the story is going to be about. This, this guy that's lowest of the low. He says to this guy, follow me. Oh, wait a minute. I lost it. Follow me and be my disciple. Be my follower. Follow me and be my follower. Jesus said to him. Now, if you're Levi, what are you, what are you going to do? <laughs> this, this rabbi, this religious guy comes up to you, and that's your so- social status, and he's asking you to come follow him. Mind-boggling, what happens? So Levi got up <clears throat> and left everything. What does that mean, left everything? He's rich because he's stealing from, him, from the people in his town, and he's leaving all that to follow this religious guy? When everybody in town hates him, but he did it. We don't know why or how. Jesus just must have had this influence way of influencing people, and he does it. So then what's he want to do? Well, Levi wants to have a party and celebrate. All right? Celebrate his new job, I guess. So he held a banquet, and Jesus is the guest of honor, of course. Now he's a follower, so you're going to honor the person you follow. So who's going to come to this party? Is the mayor of the city coming to the party? As the rabbis and the religious people come to this party, who were who his friends? Well, when you have a party, your friends come, right? Who are, who are Levi's friends? Many of the Levi's fellow tax collectors. There was more than one, obviously. And other guests, obviously, that didn't mind hanging out with tax collectors, ate with them. So that's who's at this party. <laughs> All right, you're Jesus. And here's who you're hanging out with. Well, what do you think the uh, religious folks thought of all this? Well, we find out pretty quickly. The Pharisees and the teachers of the religious laws, that would be people like me, preacher types, all right? (laughs) They uh, complained bitterly, fiercely, vigorously complained. Not to Jesus, but to his disciples, but it gets back to Jesus. And here's what they said. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? These are the lowest of the low. Why are you even associating with them? Why do you even have anything to do with them? And Jesus doesn't kind of argue back with them. He just uses this beautiful, simple illustration. And here it is. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Well, let me think about that. That makes a lot of sense, right? Do you go to a doctor when you're well? Hey, doc, I want to hang out with you today. Doc says, get out of here. I got sick people to take care of. Now, when you're sick, you go. 
and you're glad you have a doctor to go to. So when you're healthy, you don't need a doctor. When you're sick, you do need a doctor. Now, here's his application. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, because how many people are righteous? Nobody's righteous, but some people think they are. It's like nobody's healthy, but some people think they are. So if you think you are healthy, you not go to the doctor. But those who know they are sinners, they are separated from God, they are sick, and they know they need to repent, that means they need to uh, admit they're a sinner, they can't get to God on their own, and they need to accept God's gift. So that's why Jesus came. That's who he came for. In fact, they're the only people he can help. Because as long as you think you're righteous, don't need God, God can't help you. See, I think I'm righteous, I don't need help. God can't help me. But when I know and realize, accept the fact that I need help, then I go to the doctor, in this case I go to Jesus, to get healed. So my conclusion is this. Our church should be a hospital for sinners, right? Isn't that what Jesus just said? Who is that? That's everybody, <laughs> right? That's everybody. Of course, this can only be the people that know or admit their, their need. In this case, sinners are, are sick. We put it this way sometimes. It's okay not to be okay. That means all of us aren't righteous. We're all mess-ups, right? We all screw up. But it's not okay to stay that way. And Jesus and the church is there to help you not stay that way. So here's something I want to say to you, and this is one of my pet peeves, and I might get a little excited about it, but let me explain it to you. What we receive from the church is in direct proportion to what we're willing to give the church. One of my pet peeves, one of the things that drive me crazy is people tell me, will come up to me and say, I'm not getting anything out of this church. Now, I know what they mean. They maybe not agree with us or whatever. But when I hear that, it's just, it's like chalk on a chalkboard. And let me explain to you why. Simple illustration. How many of you go to the gym? I don't go to the gym. I know Pastor Clint does. A couple of you go to the gym. All right. You guys go to the gym, I'm sure. All right. You, guys, you need to connect with Clint. Anyway. All right. Can you imagine? You pay your money to go to the gym. You get your lawn chair. You take it and sit in the gym in your lawn chair watching everybody else work out. And you just love it. I love this. And you do this week after week and about a month in, you, you look at yourself and say, man, I don't, in fact, I look worse than I used to. This gym, I'm not getting anything out of this gym. It's not helping me one bit. Well, why hasn't it helped you? Because you haven't given anything to the gym. And why should the church be any different? If you don't give anything, you're not going to get anything out of it. Another way of saying this is this. There's no love without sacrifice. And those of us who are parents understand this. When you decide to have kids, what are you sacrificing? Well, <laughs> Uh, full-time, the next 18 years of your life probably, but I got adult kids. I'm still sacrificing for adult kids. But it's not a want to. I mean, a have to. It's a want to, right? I want to because I love them. And I sacrifice for them. And consequently, the church is built on Jesus, so we're, it's an extension of our love for Jesus. So what does it look like to intentionally love the church? I'll give you four things. So we're practical things to do. What does it look like when you want to 
Not when you have to. First, love by connecting. As much as I love this hour on Sunday morning, well, both hours, we have two services, um, there's not much connecting going on. There just isn't. That's why we say circles are better than rows. And we encourage you to be in a small group. And somewhere where you rub shoulders to shoulders with other Christians or other believers or even people that aren't believers. Um, we love them to be in our groups. And we call it doing life together. That's one way to love. Um, second way, and this is the biggie that we're focusing on this morning, is you love by serving. And we say it this way, save people, serve people. People that are saved by Jesus and connect relationship with Jesus, serve people. What did Jesus do on the last night of his life? If you knew it was the last night of your life and you had your followers there and you had this big celebration, you'd probably sit back and say, hey, I think you guys ought to give me a pedicure. I'm going to die for you guys tomorrow. That's the least you can do, right? But what did Jesus do? He got down on the hands and knees and washed the stinking feet of his disciples hours before he was going to die. Save people, serve people. So we handed out a card to all you folks. We want everybody to turn one of these in. I know some of you aren't going to do it, but that's our goal, to have everybody turn one of these cards in and mark something. It could be anything. Or maybe just put your name on it. You wanted to volunteer for something else. Uh, put your name on it. I'll probably call you. If you put something else on the list, somebody else will probably call you or email you if that's what you put on there and say, and this is just to start a conversation. You're not obligating yourself to anything. We're not going to force you to do this for the next five years, all right? In fact, you may try this and say, hey, that's not for me. Or we may say, it's not for you. If I went to the praise team and said, hey, I want to sing, they're going to tell me, no, 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 all right? <laughs> so be willing to accept rejection, all right? That's part of life. <laughs> so... It might not be a good fit for you. It might not be a good fit for us. All right? I'm just saying that. But if everything else I've said this morning is true, we all need to fill out a card. Right? You need to fill out a card. This is being the hands and feet of Jesus. We've got a brochure to explain some of these things. And there's lots of other ministries um, that you, know, you can be involved in. So we're going to be, you can start filling out one now. We're going to show you uh, some testimonies of some folks that serve around here. I think we are. <laughs> it's stuck. <laughs> Try it again. There we go. Hi, I'm Angela Burton. I'm the next director here at Valley. And I love doing events. life together and fun. By doing these events, it has allowed me to keep my relationships with people in the church and Hi, I'm John, and I'm in charge of the ground maintenance here at the church. I oversee all the teams that do the mowing and the trimming. This is something that I like to do, is just being outside and doing lawn work. It, it gives me a sense of satisfaction to uh, make the grounds look presentable. You know, good, good looking lawn is, is a reflection of, of a good church. Church in the cafe as well as Baptist table. 
showed us when he uh, sacrificed himself and, and gave his life for us. Well said, Scott. <laughs> all right, so fill that out before you leave, all right? And hand it in when you hand in your other card. Like I said, uh, this is just a start a conversation. Read that list and maybe something just sparks your interest. And uh, like I said, somebody will start a conversation with you. Two other things real quickly. Love by giving. Love by giving. We're talking about financially, although obviously. You know, we all, most of us have hobbies. We spend money on our hobbies, the things we love. I love to run. I spend money on running shoes and racing entry. My wife can't believe I pay $200 to run 50 miles. She just thinks that's crazy. But that's because I love long-distance running. She doesn't, all right? Fishermen, hunters, whatever. You spend money. Jesus put it this way. Where your treasure is, there is your heart. Where you spend your money, that's where your heart is. You can say you love the church. Your money doesn't come here. You don't love the church. Jesus said that, not me. We need your gifts. We thank you for all your generosity. We can't do what we do without your financial gifts. And then lastly, love by sharing. I just shared with you my favorite restaurant. You have a favorite restaurant, you share about it. Favorite movie, you share about it. You should share about your church. Let's summarize here. Church, it's not about you. So I don't want you to hear, well, I shouldn't say that. You can say it if you want to. I'm not getting anything out of this church. Well, that's about you, but it's not about you. Jesus said that. I didn't say that. What's it about? Church is about those who are still lost and broken without Jesus. The people Jesus died for. And think about it this way. It was you and I once upon a time. If you're not a Jesus follower, we're so happy you're here this morning. Hopefully this makes some sense to you. But this is what we're about. Jesus died for you. One point in my life, I didn't know that. I know that now. So I'd be selfish and keep that to myself? Absolutely not. And hopefully this statement maybe will help you remember. I try to come up with something that may be memorable. Love them, those who don't love Jesus or don't know Jesus. Love them like Jesus would love them until they love Jesus. Jesus' love is irresistible. Unconditional love is irresistible. That's why we all love our moms, right? It's irresistible. All right, we're going to give you, starting next week, Mother's Day, we're going to start a, a, a series on the family. So we're going to show you... Uh, Quick lead in and then we'll have a song and let you go. Well, not now, next week. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Uh, Father God, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, Jesus. Uh, wow. And he loved us that much. He loved us unconditionally. He loved us hugely, enormously. And God, most of us here are Jesus followers. We've experienced that in of ourselves. And it sh- should, we shouldn't be able to keep it to ourselves. It should just bubble over and out, flow out. And we don't want to be obnoxious. Nobody minds if we're saying, hey, I love my restaurant or I love this, this movie. They, that, they're fine with us saying, I love my church. But we want to love them like Jesus until they love you, Jesus. Help us to do that. And God, the churches don't function without volunteers. We have to, 
tremendous volunteers here, but some of the people are missing out by just not stepping across, not volunteering. That's the fun thing. So give us the courage to, uh, and the wisdom to, to, to pick something and check it and, and turn that in and, and be willing to take a risk. Uh, without, risk there's, without risk, there's no reward. Uh, Jesus, just direct each of us in, to do and to be what you want us to do and, and to be. For anyone without Jesus, we give you the opportunity, the invitation this morning to just step across that line. Say, Jesus, you love me enough. Man, how, how, how can I reject that? That kind of love. I'm a mess up, but I thank you that you love me anyway. I receive that gift. In Jesus' name, amen.